Welcome to the Growing With Purpose podcast. I'm Paul Spiegelman, and we're going behind the scenes with very special leaders, learning about what shaped them into who they are in business and in life. Support for today's episode comes from Benedictine University's Center for Values-Driven Leadership, where they offer a PhD program for senior executives who want to build strong, positive cultures that deliver exceptional performances. The unique curriculum combines academic rigor with insights you can put to work on Monday morning. Through the three-year program, you become an expert in the aspect of leadership you're most passionate about so you can have a transformative impact in your business and on society. Find out how you can lead your company while you earn your PhD. Visit cbdl.ben.edu slash doctorate for more information or Google PhD Values Leadership. That's PhD Values Leadership. My guest today is Courtney Kingston of Kingston Family Vineyards in Casablanca Valley, Chile. As a business school student at Stanford, Courtney wrote the first business plan for the vineyard using the family's cattle ranch in Chile as the site of a winery. After many discussions, Kingston Family Vineyards became a reality in 1998. Welcome, Courtney. Thank you, Paul. It's a delight to be here today. Well, let's start with uh, how this all got started uh, and why Chile? That's a fair question. People often ask me that when they hear my last name. They say, Kingston, no me suena como una chilena. It doesn't sound like a a Chilean. Um, My great-grandfather was an American uh, who lived in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, which was copper country in the late 1800s. And he graduated in 1906 and essentially set sail. This was before the Panama Canal, before the Model T, for Latin America. And he traveled up and down the Pacific coast of uh, South America and ended up in Chile. And uh, ironically, my my great-grandmother was also a single uh, American in her 20s, a uh, single professional, and they met and stayed. Wow. So how did that then transition to you ultimately starting this business? I know you went to Princeton undergrad, Stanford Business School, and... Uh, Writing that business plan uh, eventually ended up were you founding a winery there. How did that happen? <laughs> it's a good question. Some of my family still ask, "How did this happen?" My <laughs> <laughs> uh, so our family has so my father was born and raised um, on a farm in Casablanca, um, and it was actually my great grandfather thought there was gold on the farm, and uh, we're, we joke we're still looking. <laughs> so he ended up with this cattle ranch. So my grandfather, my great aunts, my father, my aunts and uncles were all born and raised on this farm in rural Chile, and. Growing up as a as a fourth generation member, there was always sort of this understanding in our family. Uh, it was sort of, uh, you know, apologies to JFK. It was ask ask not what the farm can do for you, but what can you do for the farm? And uh, that was always in the back of my mind. How how could I help this place? By the way, a second motto was don't quit your day job, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and the third was uh, never bet the farm. Uh-huh. You you are responsible for this place and the community around it. 
in terms of the the potential impact you could have. And so I was uh, in my 20s. I had moved out to the West Coast after college at Princeton and for what I thought was one year off. And then actually, I thought I was going to go work in uh, for a non-governmental organization, a nonprofit focused on Latin American development, maybe microfinance or something like that. And I ended up staying West and getting drawn into the entrepreneurial uh, culture of, uh, of the San Francisco Bay Area. And that's when I started trying to figure out how I could help the farm while being based here and using what I had. Now, were you born in Chile? I wasn't. I was okay. born in Princeton, New Jersey. Because <laughs> my, da- my dad came to the States for college and was mowing lawns to help pay for his tuition. It was that and his uh, pig business from the farm that put him through college. And so he was my grandparents' gardener. And uh, in fact, my grandmother is famous for saying, Michael Kingston is the best gardener we've ever had, Louise, my mother. And if, we, if you screw this up for your dal- with your dalliances, we'll never forgive you. So I, I was born and raised um, in New Jersey, interestingly enough, and actually did not travel to Chile until I was 20, which is really hard for me to believe, given now what a huge part of my life it is. But uh, it wasn't then. That's right. So tell me about the company today. So we, I I think you mentioned, so what we do is we make handcrafted, organically grown wines um, on our farm in Chile. And and people actually tend to visit us on their way to see the glaciers in Patagonia or the flamingos in the Atacama Desert or the Lake District. Chile is as long as the U.S. is wide and and really is its own seven wonders of the world. we're just outside of Santiago, so we're on the way. Um, and people, guests host, visit us for a private tasting and tour, and then we send our wines um, to their homes in the U.S. Um, where, where we can, and uh, they continue to relive their vacation long after they've returned back to the state. Wow. Uh, so how do people find out about uh, your vineyard, your wines, and so they can set up a tour and stop by. It's really all been word of mouth, to be honest with you. There's uh, we TripAdvisor has been a remarkable hmm. impact on our small little business because it's the ultimate word of mouth tool. Um, my family's uh, approach in general has always been humility has always been at sort of the core uh, of who we are, low profile, kind of leading from behind. And for years, we didn't even have a sign. Um, and, uh, I thought that fit us quite well until we had a few too many guests say, you know, it actually would be really helpful if, if your directions were a little more than turn left at the cow. Uh, (laughs) That's funny. Um, so today, uh, talk about the, the company's size and scope, how many employees you have, top line revenue, things like that. Yeah. So we have about in Chile at the winery, we have about uh, 10 to 15 people, depending on whether it's harvest or not. In the vineyard, we have another 30. And then up here in California, where we do all of our fulfillment and shipping, importing fulfillment and shipping, we've got another five or six. So what does that add up to? Shy of 50 Mm -hmm. for our total team that, again, we are very much still in agriculture. So that flexes depending 
on the season, whether it's pruning uh, or harvest. Uh, today, across our businesses, which again, we're quite, as they would say, vertically integrated. You know, not only do we um, farm our own grapes, uh, we actually have our own nursery. We then um, import them, we make them ourselves right there in a small winery on site, then we import them ourselves and then we ship them. Um, so we're quite integrated and for we have a lot of, it's very high touch for a very small operation. Our total sales are shy of 5 million, depending on whether there was a frost that year or what Mother Nature handed us. And um, that's, about, that's about who we are. Our team is bi-national and bi-cultural, and that, that really infuses into everything we do. We, we're, you know, we are a fifth-generation family-owned and operated farm, so we care deeply about the land, the people, and our shared future together. When you produce and do fulfillment out of California, is most of your business then uh, business in the U.S. to U.S. customers, or do you have business in Latin America as well? Um, we mostly do in the U.S., but we also ship in Chile. Inter shipping between countries in Latin America is challenging. Mm. Uh, wine is heavy. Um, and then you have all sorts of challenges with uh, taxes and inter-country you know, inter uh, transfer. So we uh, mostly sell to Chilenos and um, uh, North Americans, to Americans. And, but I hope at some point, you know, the same way the Supreme Court just agreed to hear another case about interstate wine shipping, I hope that that will um, open up over time so that we will be able to ship to other other continents. But today, as a small uh, business, we are very focused on Chile and the U.S. Mm. So if, if we kind of go back a little bit, there's obviously so much family history here. And think about your growth as a leader. You, you uh, had a great education, but pretty quickly jumped into business. So I want to see where the, some of those early influences came from. Talk a little bit about maybe lessons learned from your childhood, your parents, or early jobs you might have had. Sure. Well, my mom is a lifelong hospital chaplain and Episcopal priest. Mm. So she was one of the first women ordained in the 1970s. And what I remember as a kid was that my mom listened a lot, a lot. And she felt that she had a gift, and, and she still does, to be with people in their toughest times of life. Uh, she was not only with patients uh, in the hospital, but also with families. Um, and so th that left a big impact on me in terms of your the importance of listening and the importance of the community that surrounds you and to use your gifts to serve that community. Mm -hmm. My dad, the lawnmower and pig farmer, um, from him I learned a lot about perseverance, humility, and uh, using what you have. So his, his first job out of college uh, was uh, using his Spanish, um, which he was fluent in because he was uh, raised in rural Chile. And so he went into um, banking, international banking. So my brothers were actually born in Venezuela. We lived in Puerto Rico. We lived in, in Jamaica, um, and, and then ended up, uh, settling back in, in Princeton, New Jersey. I think when my older brother, Tim had repeated kindergarten, something like four times, they decided it was, <laughs> it was time to stop moving. 
Um, but my father is my father Michael has been a huge inspiration to me in terms of his perseverance. I mean, my dad, from him, I learned it was not easy growing up on the farm in Chile at all. I mean, it was, I think they all claimed this one boy, Pat Tracy, as their best friend, uh, these four brothers, excuse me, three brothers and two sisters. And he was a good hour away, <laughs> one valley far over. I mean, they were, what today is one hour to Santiago, back then was four hours because you had to go over two mountain passes. And he managed to put himself not only through boarding school, but through college all on his own. Mm. And that has always been an inspiration to me. Oh, of course. Uh, have you ever had, a, if you think back, an unexpected learning from an unexpected source? Gosh, that's a really good question. Um, I think one of my biggest, uh, and this gets to the core. I, by the way, I've really enjoyed listening to your podcast. And um, I, one of the, this is probably more for minute, you know, 34 than uh, 12. But my biggest learning actually came as recently as four years ago when I moved our family. My husband and I moved our family and our three daughters who were four, six, and eight at the time to Chile for the year. And you might think, oh, that sounds pretty straightforward. Our family's from there. Oh, that must have been really easy. Well, we didn't take the easy path. We, we realized if we lived on the farm, we'd just talk to ourselves. It really wasn't immersion. And so we went, we moved to Santiago, which I really only knew as the big city, and um, fully immersed ourselves in that. Our girls went to school, you know, went from their uh, West Coast, where whatever you want to school, elementary school, public school here to an all-girls Catholic school in Santiago. And I not only continued to take on being a mother, but being the, as they would call you in Chile, the titular, which meant that I was the fluent, I was the only one who spoke Spanish in the family. So I was basically building a life in a month uh, for our family. Hmm. And while trying to run our business. And so I then took on the general manager role um, for our family business and was trying to get up to speed quickly in Chilean labor law and all sorts of things that I had not um, done before. And my, my biggest learning without making a short story way too long, Paul, is that I got in over my head. Mm. I did not put my oxygen mask on first. I mean, I, I was with my family, which is a huge source of strength for me, but I stopped exercising. I stopped um, eating. I love to eat. I love to eat. And I lost my appetite. And I, I thought I was kind of running a marathon, uh, but I was running at a sprinter's pace and I was not caring for myself first. And I learned that lesson the hard way. I was thrown into a severe depression. I'd always knew there were mental health issues in my family, but I, we always think that's not us, that's someone else. And it was extremely um, difficult. And I took what had been this business that I had found that had been a source of brightness and joy for me for so long. And it became the source of a huge amount of loss and hurt and pain. And that was incredibly hard. And so the lesson I learned from that was um, put your oxygen, oxygen mask on first, take care of yourself so you can care for those around you, and um, 
hold on. I'm, yeah. So during that time, what was the impact of what you were, what was going on with you personally? Uh, I've got to believe it impacted the business, uh, impacted the family. Uh, and, uh, gosh, you know, so many people can relate to that. We all have those times in our life, those periods, um, some are longer, some are shorter, but how did you, how did you break out of it? Um, my family and my friends, um, I, a couple things, one, my uh, husband and my parents and, uh, my brothers, uh, were a huge support. Um, I think we were all caught off guard, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. But as soon as we realized how much help I needed, um, that was a huge, huge source of support. Uh, the other support was I'm a, a part of a women's leadership group uh, at Stanford University that I helped start. And uh, this group I've been a member of for the past six years now, we're a group of eight women, all in key leadership roles, but interdisciplinary. One is Odette is a neurosurgeon um, and everyone has very different backgrounds. And I continued to Skype into that group and they were the ones who said, you need, you need to stop. Today is your last day of work. You need to get on a plane and we need to help you. Well, it sounds like you really uh, got the help you needed uh, from very special people. And then joining kind of a peer group of other women leaders has really impacted you. Uh, as you think about the business today, uh, what, are, what are the biggest challenges that you face? So a couple of things. Uh, we, uh, growth is probably our biggest one, to be honest with you. We have an incredibly talented team. And we feel the responsibility to continue to provide them with growth opportunities. And so that is a key part of why we grow um, on our farm. And we find ourselves, we're focused not just on, you know, oh, growing grapes or making wine, but building entrepreneurial, sustainable businesses in Chile. Uh, in a in an export based country that historically is has really um, grown thanks to giants, thanks to um, large commodity based exports. So growth is really important to us and challenging because you know I, we are also a family that uh, and team that values being in the weeds and watching the flow. So every single order and every single guest appointment that is made, at the farm um, or on our website or at a tasting or what have you, uh, four key family members watch go by on our phones, wherever we are, whether we're in Chile, whether we're in the States or what have you. And being in the flow is really important to understand what's going on, mm-hmm. to then lift yourself up to the 30,000 foot level as a leader. Um, and so I think that's probably my biggest challenge is to continue to figure out how to be in the weeds, to know exactly, to feel the pulse, and then also to be leveraged, to contribute. Um, I am I am best used in, in many different ways, um, not necessarily processing orders on our website, but I want to, but I want to be... <laughs> Uh, I think it's what ha- maybe it's called founder problems or founder ease or what have you. Um, and so that I think is the biggest challenge uh, for us is, is the pace of growth and how to, how to manage that. 
Yeah, you know, what you described is very small giants-like that says <laughs> that you want to grow, but you are growing with a purpose. And the purpose is not simply to make more money uh, or, or uh, grow the business for the sake of growth. You're really trying to impact the lives of the people that work in the business, impact the local community, and you feel a responsibility to your company to continue to grow and at the same time uh, stay close enough to what's going on to be able to manage that in the appropriate way. That's that's really special. Uh, if you think back, and this could be maybe even something uh, recent, to a really humbling decision that you had to make or a tough decision, what might that be? Mm, that's a really good question. Um, one of our biggest decisions lately is that the business really grew up around um, I really grew my business at the same time that I grew my family, um, which was a tightrope walk. And um, and so I grew all of the sales and marketing side of the business uh, here in, um, in the Bay Area, because this is where my husband and I were based and where our children were born at Stanford Hospital. And so one of the biggest challenges is that we've been realizing that while it is very important to have a key team here uh, in the U.S., because this is where you know a significant amount of our customers are actually based. We have a we have a club where members um, visit us for the first time, join our club, and then we have a lifetime relationship with them uh, through our wines and chili. So anyway, the the biggest challenge has been realizing that our business in Chile is growing. Um, so much so that we need to probably transition more and more things down to Chile. Um, we need to keep our core team here doing the exceptional work they do with logistics and fulfillment and customer service. But uh, much of it needs to grow um, 6,000 miles away from where I personally live today. Mm-hmm. That's hard. Um, that's incredibly, uh, humbling. Talk about for somebody, oh, there's my dog. Apologies. I'll close the door. Um, you know, for somebody who likes to, or, or prides herself, whether I actually pull it off or not is another question to be, to be in the weeds. Um, that's hard. Uh, and so that's been one of our hardest recent decisions of this year is growing, um, more in Chile and less, um, up here in terms and moving uh, significant uh, team functions um, closer to the ground, to the winery, which makes a ton of sense, uh, you know, uh, obviously from a distance and is clearly the right thing to do. Yeah, that's a tough one. Uh, I remember when I started my business in Los Angeles and ended up moving it to Dallas. And so for seven years, I commuted back and forth to Dallas. Uh, Every Tuesday morning, I'd be on a plane to Dallas and Thursday night, I'd be coming back. Uh, but then got married and had our first child and said, you know, let's give Texas a try and, and then made them move out there and quickly realized that, that, uh, I probably should have done that earlier. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, sure. it's hard to manage a business remotely. And like you said, to stay in the weeds when kind of that, that quality of what you do is so important and, and there's nothing like being there, uh, to, to be able to do that. Um, you know, I, I know that you guys were a, a finalist as a Forbes Small Giants company, which really speaks to culture uh, and community and the way we run a purpose and values-driven business. What are a couple of the things that you do today in your business uh, to really focus on on the people in the organization? 
So one of the key things is to stay connected in what can otherwise be a very disconnected world, and particularly with our our team, right? We're a dispersed team um, on multiple continents, and so that can be quite challenging. So we try really hard to we actually live on WhatsApp, believe it or not, <laughs> mm. which I know is it seems like a basic uh, text platform, but it actually is so much more than that um, in terms of our quick communication and the ability to stay in close touch. We also are very focused on. I believe that when people join us, our team. It's not. It's just the start of a long-term relationship, the same way we feel about when somebody first sets foot on the farm as a guest. And so with that, we're, we continue to be very involved in our employees' lives long after they've left us. Uh, whether it's supporting one of our fellows to go to for their uh, graduate school application, whether it's somebody doing something completely different um, and wanting to have some, you know, go for a walk to get some advice. It's a, it, this is like our family business. Uh, we're in this for the long haul and feel like we're just getting started. So I would say those two things. Um, and then the appreciation for the binational and the bicultural. Mm. Um, we think that that is our biggest strength. It's also our Achilles heel. I mean, you know, it's, there's something, uh, it's my, you know, my uncle, for instance, Enrique Allende is as puro chileno as I'm pura gringa, you know, and <laughs> there are definitely, definitely times that he just thinks I'm just completely from another planet. And I probably am. And, and the good news is that we're stuck with each other and we make it work and we're committed to each bringing our strengths. And so that's super important for us as we bring on new team members that they have. And, and again, our a team is about 50-50 of, of local Chilenos um, with an entrepreneurial mindset and then um, Americans uh, that come and or from other countries that come and work with us for years um, to have an experience abroad. And so it's the dialogue, it's the conversation uh, between those uh, cultures and the respect for where you, from where you come that I think is the most powerful and is at the core of our culture. Well, and that's, that's, uh, that has to happen, right, in order for you to be successful and became something that was really your secret sauce. And uh, even though the, the winery now has been around about 20 years, uh, is there a part of leadership that you think that Courtney is still working on to improve on? Huh. Definitely. Definitely. Um, I, you know, I actually continue to struggle with uh, being a leader versus an individual contributor. Mm. So you may, you may have gotten a little bit of a sense of that earlier in our conversation. And so I get a lot of um, uh, joy out of uh hands-on experiences. And um, sometimes I need to, or often need to remember that uh, the wind is at my back um, having conversations like this, Paul, um, mm -hmm. instead of um, being uh, the one um, with the boots on the ground day in and day out. Um, but that's something I'm still balancing. I know I even, even honestly, when you said, you know, where are you today? And I said, well, actually, I'm in California. I just got back from Chile and my 
know, my 10-year-old had an MRI yesterday on her ankle, and I needed to be there holding her hand against this giant magnet. So there's there are times that I am uh, both uh, similarly, you know, slightly uncomfortable with the fact that I am soaring at 30,000 feet and need to as a leader in terms of speaking and connecting with people, frankly, all over the world um, and bringing them hopefully to our small corner of the world in Casablanca, as opposed to being the one who says, this is what I did today. What I did today was I, you know, I poured 20 glasses of wine or I crushed those grapes or I, you know, I, the, the, the hands-on experience is something that I still value and uh, miss a little bit and, and frankly sneak in all the time if I'm really honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it, that makes a great impression too on, on your coworkers and on everyone that, that you do participate in that way. But I could, I could see that as really interesting challenge because ultimately it's, it's hard to put your full energy into both and, uh, to, to be a leader that has, um, the responsibility of the, not only the direction of the company, but how you grow and strategy and making sure that that culture remains when you're flying back and forth. That's, that's a, that's a big challenge. So I could see that being uh, something that will continue to, uh, challenge you and you'll evolve those leadership skills over time. Uh, Courtney, as you think about uh, the road you've traveled so far, and I know there's so much more to go uh, with uh, your career, if you were talking to somebody that was coming out of college or going to business school and uh, thinking about getting into business now with the experience you've had, what kind of advice would you give them? Well, I would start with gratitude and appreciation. Every, Every letter that I write to our guests and our members and our customers is thanking them. Uh, I write a handwritten letter. Uh, I read that you did that too. Yeah. I, maybe maybe it's becoming passe, but I I'm my father grew up with penmanship being a very important part of his life in the middle of nowhere, um, and uh, his handwriting is much nicer than mine. But the the it's really important to say thank you. And to be connected um, in this disconnected world. I also feel that a huge part of life is just showing up and listening and being present. Just show up. You know, when you're distracted by the 10,000 things that you could be doing and the 10,000 paths that you could take. I had one professor that said to me once, you know, go left, go right, go straight. But when you come to an intersection don't just sit there for too long. And that, that, I, that was powerful. That's, that mm. stayed with me. So I, I try to keep showing up. I try to be, uh, thankful, um, and remember, um, how far we've come. And frankly, also then it helps to be reminded. It's not about you, Paul. It's not about me. <laughs> it's about all of us, right? That takes some of the pressure off, to be honest with you, uh, to realize that, we're just a blip. Uh, we're just a blip on uh, the radar of the long arc of, of life, mm. right? And, and of many people's lives. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, I'm trying to build the foundation for another hundred years. You know, we've been in this for a hundred years on the, our family in this community in Casablanca, Chile. And I hope that we can play a role 
um, for another hundred years as a part of that community. And so that sense of stewardship uh, is is, uh, really important and I think guides me and I hope guides others. Well, there's so much history to uh, the the ranch and and how you're contributing to it and uh, uh, and and this gives you an incredible vision going forward. But some of it is really practical. I mean, you talked about handwritten note cards, which yes, I'm a huge fan of in this digital world. And uh, I uh, told you I recently jumped into the restaurant business and the wine yeah. business, as a matter of fact. And my first uh, entree into the direct consumer. Uh, world because my other businesses have all been business to business type. And so when I uh, got to know my partner a little bit and we got started about six months ago, one of the first things I did was to print up some blank note cards and uh, put our logo on the front and met with my partner, Chris, and I said, uh, we got to have some handwritten note cards because of all the stakeholders in the business, whether it's our suppliers who supply us wine, it's our guests who come in two or three times a week, it's our employees who are giving of themselves to uh, create a sense of hospitality. Uh, what does it take maybe 30 seconds to handwrite a note card, put their home address and stick it in the mail? And he looked at me like, what? You know, why, why, why would we do that? And now he's it got, matters. yeah, it matters. He's, he's got that stack of note cards there too. And, uh, uh, I just, we talked about a week ago, we had a wine dinner pairing some of our wines with a beautiful five course meal. And the next day he said, you know, Paul, I just sent handwritten note cards to everybody that he, that attended. And, and I loved it. I mean, that's what makes such a, a difference. Um, it does. Yeah. And it, by the way, it can also feed that part of yourself that wants to have hands-on impact. Exactly. <laughs> that's right. Uh, and that's a big, that's a, a big impact. Um, so if I want to join your wine club or uh, if I want to learn about what you guys do, how can people reach out to you? So we have a website. Uh, well, first of all, my email is Courtney, C-O-U-R-T-N-E-Y at kingstonvineyards.com. Um, and I would love to hear from any of your followers and listeners, um, whether it's about they're planning their next trip to Chile or uh, just anything that resonated with them. We also have uh, a website where you can learn more about what we do. We have a blog um, where we share not only what it's like to make wine by hand, um, in rural Chile, but also what it's like to travel in Chile and just our own personal tips and experience from, uh, living in Chile and through that lens. So I think our, uh, an email or a call, um, also my phone number is on the website. I uh, would look forward to hearing from, from anybody. And, and, uh, I'm a big fan of paying it forward. It, it's, uh, we would love to send our wine to any of your listeners and uh, even if it starts with just a phone conversation um, and is not about wine, it could be about something completely different. I'd look forward to that. Oh, that would be great. Well, I think I'm going to follow up and, and see if uh, maybe we can carry your wine at our, our wine bar because we look, at those, <laughs> we look at those unique wines around the world that we can bring in and share. And it really is uh, not so much, as we said, about the wine. It's about the sense of community and the relationships that you build with one another um, uh, I want to end up, Courtney, with these five quick hit questions, kind of like the association game. And just just tell me the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. Uh, so in all of this, uh, can you think of a leader that you look up to? You know, Maya Angelou, I know that's coming out of left field, um, but I've recently been 
uh, meditating on a quote of hers about, uh, you know, people will never remember what you did or what you said, but they'll always remember how you made them feel. Mm. Yeah, she's great. That's a, that's a, that's, I think that's a first that, that Maya has ended up on the list. That's great. <laughs> uh, how about a great book that may have influenced your leadership style? a great one as well. Um, this is going to be another out of the left field. Are you ready? Yeah. Crossing the safety by Wallace Stegner. Um, because it struck me so much about humanity. And, um, I think that is ultimately what leadership is about is Mm. understanding humans and how we are all different and how we are all in communion together. That's a great message. Do you have an all time favorite movie? E.T. E.T. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Uh, we, we watched that with our kids pretty recently. Uh, how about a favorite TV show to binge watch? You must uh, watch on the on the plane to Chile back I and do. forth. Yeah. Uh, true confessions. Um, you know what? I loved The Crown and because she's a woman in business. She is a woman in family <laughs> business, the queen. Um, so I got a kick out of that. And I was uh, struck by her evolution uh, suddenly, unexpectedly. Um, being thrust to the forefront and what that was like and how and how she's come into it on her own. She's a pretty amazing woman, Queen yeah. Elizabeth. Yeah, great one. And uh, lastly, what's something about you that many people don't know? Hmm. I made pancakes on a Saturday morning for 80 Honduran orphans in Tegucigalpa with a baseball bat for a, the spoon. A baseball bat for the spoon. Yeah, because so, it was huge. It was this massive, massive thing. They'd never heard of pancakes or pancakes. And so they had these big bowls. This was a, an orphanage that I worked at in um, Tegus back in the early 90s. And um, so they had big equipment. But uh, pancakes were a whole new thing. And so it just that, you know, the, you can imagine when you're stirring the batter, it gets pretty heavy. And um so we used a baseball bat. I washed it first, but um, yeah, that's how that was. That's hey, a little yeah, there, there's, there's a lesson there too. Uh, <laughs> you know, whatever whatever it takes. Uh, I, I'm just picturing this huge vat with batter in it. That, well, there you go. Yeah. You use what you have, Paul. You got to use what you have. That's that's the lesson from Dad. Um, well, Courtney, it's been so great to talk to you. I, I want to just share um, some of my reflections of what I learned from from talking to you today, uh, and I think the the first is obviously that you've taken advantage of, in a positive way, uh, the history and the legacy uh, from your family and this ranch that's been around for 100 years, the lessons you learned from uh, your mom about how to listen, and that came from her career as a chaplain. And, and gosh, I'm not sure what could be more important to your growth as a leader, uh, if not for what you learned from your dad and that sense of hard work and perseverance using what you have. Um, and the fact is that there's really tools at our disposal to do just about anything that we need to do. They may not be the traditional tools, but the fact is we can get it done. If you have that sense of, uh, perseverance, uh, you made that big move, uh, to Santiago with your family. And, uh, it might sound, uh, romantic or easy to do, but my gosh, uh, as a father of young kids too, I can imagine what that meant to, uh, bring your family there. And, uh, and that actually resulted in, in one of the biggest challenges or periods in your life where, uh, you, you realize that you just weren't taking care of yourself while you were taking care of everyone else. 
um, you use those same relationships that you've built, the trust you built with your family and friends and your business peers to uh, to be with you during that and help bring you out of it in a way that was, uh, I think, probably impacted you uh, for life in a, in a positive way. Um, I love the, the way you talked about growth and your your reason for growing, which was not for growth's sake, but to impact the lives of the people you work with to be able to show that you're continuing to grow this community in Chile uh, and the people that touch your life. Uh, it's really hard to to work with a re, uh, remote workforce. And so many of our listeners uh, are always challenged about how do we build that culture uh, or retain that culture and keep people connected. So, you know, kind of tongue in cheek, you said we spend a lot of time on WhatsApp, but, but I think that's great. <laughs> Whatever the platform is to keep people connected, uh, you should do. And, and, and that, and obviously you do that. And the fact that you kind of balance your leadership skills with, uh, getting in the weeds shows that, that you're no different or no more special than anybody else in the business. Uh, I love how you support your employees after they leave the business. And I remember in mine, um, I always felt that, that it wasn't as, as important that we try to retain our employees for life. I just wanted to know that the the time that they spent with us was something special, unique, something that they look back on with pride uh, and know that we had an impact on their life. Then I would feel like I contributed in a certain way. Um, and then finally, the advice that you would give to, to young people that really came from your own experiences, and that's around gratitude, appreciation, which sometimes we don't do enough of. And sometimes we don't show that enough, uh, even though we feel that in our heart. Uh, and that kind of goes to that final comment you said about whatever you do, just be present in what you do. And I think that's that's really important. And for someone like you who I uh, can see just flying back and forth and, and taking care of your family and uh, when you are wherever you are, you've got to pay attention. And I, and I love those lessons. And, uh, so I hope that our listeners will look up your website and, um, I'm looking forward to a future visit to Chile where I can, uh, make that visit a really special stop and, uh, be, uh, for, a maybe a, a couple hours, a part of that wonderful story that you've created. Thank you, Paul. We'll be waiting for you. Well, thank you very much, Courtney, for being with us. And thank you for joining me on this episode of the Growing With Purpose podcast. Until next time. <music>